Well, good morning, Genesis. It's great to be with you today. Uh, My name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor here, if we've never met before. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Mark chapter 1. If you uh, brought a Bible with you, um, it's uh, just in the New Testament. Um, If you don't have a Bible, kids, especially if you look around you, we've got some kids' Bibles here this morning. It could be under the seat or in the seat next to you. You can take that and turn to page uh, 1094. Um, and if you use something like the Version device on your phone, certainly feel free to turn there. We'll put some words on the screen too, but always good thing to have your own Bible uh, there in your lap, and so I, I hope that you'll take that uh, today. And uh, as we've already been talking about a little bit, this is a family service for us today. We think uh, this is just a great celebration in our church. It's a reminder that uh, our church isn't limited to what happens in this room, uh, but it's beyond this room, and honestly, it's beyond this building, all right, because the church is made up of people who are following Christ and trusting Christ and seeking Christ. And so that's who we are, and we are just trusting the Lord that he's got some great things ahead for us uh, as a church. We're going to celebrate some baptisms uh, in just a little bit. I think we've got four in this service. We had three in the first, and I think we've got four or five at our Carmel campus today, so it's a good day. And uh, we are going to celebrate life change in just a bit. But uh, today, we're kicking off. Really, it's kind of an intro to the kickoff of a brand new series that we'll get more fully into next week, but a series that we're calling In the Flesh. And uh, why do we call it that? Well, you keep your finger there in Mark chapter 1, but let me share with you from John 1 for just a moment. Uh, The Apostle John, who had the privilege of spending time with Jesus, like he actually got to walk side by side with Jesus, he he records these words for us, all right, to just give us a better picture of what it means to, to, to know Jesus in the flesh. John writes it like this. He's inspired by by God, he says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, that's an interesting word, all right, especially in this context. It's a little foreign to us. Uh, when you see the word Word here capitalized, I want you to think Jesus, all right? John is just saying, hey, in the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And what did Jesus do for us? Well, a few verses later in John 1.14, John records like this. He says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling, literally made his home to be with us. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And because we believe that God's word is true, all right, and therefore uh, we hold on to these words uh, that speak of a savior, Jesus Christ, who was sent to earth from heaven. Again, what does John remind us? He, he is showing us that Jesus came to this earth fully God, all right, but fully man all at the same time. Now, what does that mean? Well, to a degree, it means that he was no different than any one of us, uh, that he was like us in every way, that Jesus came to this earth, that he took on flesh, that he, he had skin, all right, he came to the earth as a baby, he grew to become a man, and he gave his life for us on the cross. And he rose from the dead, and he lives in heaven today, and All along the way, with his life, with his day-to-day living that we have the privilege of reading and seeing so much about, he showed us how to live. He showed us what it means to live in relationship with God. You see, there is so much to learn from Jesus Christ. There is so much to learn from studying his life. And I can't think of a better time uh, in our world right now than for followers of Christ uh, to say, you know what, I want to pattern my life after Jesus. And that applies if you're a kid, if you're in first grade or second grade or third grade. It applies to you if you're a student right now, whether you're in high school or you're away at school. 
Um, it, it applies to certainly to adults today that we need to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. And so with this series, again, that we're sort of starting today, but we'll continue into next week, it's going to take us all the way through the fall. In fact, this will, I think, be one of the longest series that we've ever done as a church before. And it's going to provide for us an opportunity to trace the steps of Jesus, uh, to literally follow his life, beginning with his baptism, and again, all the way through his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And some of our school, uh, goals with this study are just, we want to we know Jesus better. We want to really ask the question, what does it mean to model my life after him, to pattern every part of who I am after Jesus? We, we just want to be better prepared, too, to tell the story, to tell the greatest story uh, the world has ever known. And in addition to talking about these things on Sunday, uh, as we've talked about already, we'd love to encourage you to get into a connection group if you're not already in one. So many of our groups are going to be walking through this series with us, and so it gives you an opportunity outside of the room here to talk about these things. But we also want you to, to follow along, too, in your own Bible reading. And maybe you're at a place where you don't know what to read or you always enjoy having some sort of a guide. We've prepared a guide to take you all the way to December. And uh, we've got copies of that guide out uh, at the Info Hub this morning. You can also get it on your app if you have the Genesis Church app. But you can start this week and just read through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with us as we study the life of Jesus together. But today, today I want to kick off by talking about, uh, by looking at the importance of obedience, all right? O obedience specifically in the life of Jesus. And here's what we're going to discover as we look at Jesus and as we think about his obedience. And, and it's not just today, but really in the weeks to come, too, we're going to see that Jesus was obedient in all things, in everything. The one thing that made him different than us is that he never sinned. Uh, the scriptures say that he was without sin, that he was obedient as, as a child. He was obedient as a teen and as a man. And, and today we're going to see how he was obedient in baptism and his willingness in baptism really to step into the mission that God had for him, the God, that, that God had prepared for him. See, Jesus was the most obedient man that ever lived. Uh, he was the most obedient man that ever walked on this earth, and he knew who he was, and he knew what he came to earth to do, and so he faithfully walked with the Lord every single day of his life. That's what is meant by his obedience. But here's the thing for us, and I know that it's difficult to get your mind around this, because it, it is for me too. If you call yourself a Christian, we are called to the very same level of obedience that Jesus was called to with every part of our life to live in perfect obedience to the Lord. Now, I know that's tough. I know that's challenging. We'll talk about that more, too, in the weeks to come. But we are called to walk faithfully with the Lord, modeling every part of our life after Jesus every single day. But that kind of obedience is only possible as we better understand who we are and as we're reminded what we're really here to do and what this is all for. So I want to pray. All right, and I want to just ask the Lord to really kind of speak to us today. Maybe he's got something very specific for you. And, uh, and then we'll continue on with our teaching. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time today. We thank you for you know, all the opportunities before us and the privilege to worship in a safe uh, place today. And um, we are asking you, Lord, uh, we are confident that you are here in this room, that you are here with us. Uh, will, you, will you speak to our hearts today, Lord? Um, just trusting that for every person, even for that person that might be here for the very first time and maybe church is just so new to them, that you've got something very specific for them today. And so will you just open up our hearts and open up our minds to hear from you as we really want to trust you in all that we do. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, I want to start off today by talking with you a little bit about geography. And I know that some of you are aware that I had the privilege of traveling to Israel in May. And so I really kind of fell in love with geography and just better understanding the landscape of Israel. And so not only because I got to experience it, but we really believe this is going to be an important aspect to these next few months together as we study the life of Jesus, really understanding where he went, why he went to the places that he went, and how he got there, and what that whole experience was like. And so here's what we're going to do. Kids, you got a handout when you came in today that you're going to need at this time, okay? And you're going to find a map on there. Uh, We'll put the map up here on the screen. Obviously, you've got a map of the country of Israel. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to fill in these blanks today. But I think for all of us, this is going to be a good lesson in just really understanding the geography. And we'll just keep playing this out in the weeks to come. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk around the room today because not only do I want you to see it on the screen and try and imagine it, but I want you to kind of experience it together. I think it would be helpful for us to turn this room into a map of Israel. And so if you kind of pretend that I am to the south, uh, just underneath the word Israel, looking towards all of you in the north, again, that just kind of gives you some perspective of where we're coming from. So I'm going to leave the stage, which I got to tell you gives me a lot of nerves, all right, because anytime I get far away from my stand, I just get more and more anxious. But here's what we're going to do. I need some help here. And again, you got to use your imagination. And kids, I'm going to especially need your help. But I'm going to first come to kind of these uh, rows two, four, five, two, three, four, five, six, seven on this side of the room. You know what? First row, you get to be included too. I don't want you to get left out because nobody ever sits in the front row. I, I wasn't even planning on anybody being there today, but I appreciate all of you. But you all get to be Bethlehem. All right, you get to be Bethlehem, and you'll see Bethlehem up here on the map now as it uh, shows up on the screen. But when you think of Bethlehem, we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and what do little babies do a lot of? Eliana, can you help me out? Do they cry? Cry is the right answer. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. And so, again, adults, you've got to participate too, but I need your best cry. I need your best wow. So go ahead and give it to me. Wow. All right, all right. So these folks represent Bethlehem. Now, You over here, you get to be Egypt, all right? And we're just using our imaginations because Egypt is probably way down here. But when I think of Egypt, I couldn't help but think of the song, Walk Like an Egyptian. So maybe give me one of these. If you're in kind of the first half of this side, all right, you help me out with the, everybody's got to play, all right? Or you'll get called out. So walk like an Egyptian, okay? And then if we extend up here to the north, the rest of you all get to be the Mediterranean Sea. All right, and so when we think of sea, we kind of think of waves, so maybe just give me a little bit of wave. All right, kids especially, you're helping out. So we've got Bethlehem, we've got Egypt, all right, we've got the Mediterranean, and then for the rest of you on this half of the room, and really probably extending to this side as well, you get to be Nazareth, all right? And uh, we're going to talk about the significance of Nazareth in just a moment, but just to give you a little tip, Jesus is going to grow up in Nazareth. We know that Jesus' dad was named Joseph, and what did Joseph do for a living? He was a carpenter, so maybe just give me your best hammer noise, kind of a click, click, click or something, right? All right, and so you represent Nazareth, and I'm going to run over here to the other side of the room because we're going to do this in order. But for you all on this half, and maybe about till halfway back, you get to be Jerusalem, all right? And so this is the center. This is where the temple is located, and the great festivals happen in Jerusalem, and anytime there's a festival, there's a party, all right? And so maybe just your best shouts, all right? Just give me some woohoo or, or shouts or something, whatever you do at a party. Go ahead and give it to me. Let's hear it. Woohoo! Yeah, the party people. All right, great job. 
All right, and then for you all in the back half on this side, you get to be the Sea of Galilee. And I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what's different between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean, so you just do the wave too, all right? So you're the Sea of Galilee, and then coming south from the Sea of Galilee, you get to be the Jordan River. We're going to talk about the significance of the Jordan in a moment, so I just need your best fish face, all right? And Cooper, can you help me out? Can you make a fish face, huh? Have your dad make a fish face for us. So just your, just your best fish face. And then you in the front half, you get to be the Dead Sea, so you just get to act like you're asleep, you know? And if you want to just close your eyes for a little bit... You can do that, but you're the Dead Sea for us. So here's how this goes. As we think about Jesus' life, and here's what we know and understand from the Gospels, that Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem. Help me out, people. Wow. All right. And so Joseph and Mary and Jesus, from what we can tell, are going to spend up to maybe a couple of years in Bethlehem. And during those two years, we know they're going to get a visit from the Magi, from the wise men. And then around the age of two, the evil King Herod is going to issue a decree that all the baby boys two years of age and younger are to be killed, all right? And so obviously this is going to shake Mary and Joseph. An angel's going to appear to Joseph and tell him to take his family and escape to Egypt, all right? And so they're going to leave Bethlehem. They're going to cross uh, the Shephela, which are the low kind of clo- coastal plain areas uh, to the west of Jerusalem toward the Mediterranean Sea. They're going to come over to the Mediterranean. And they're going to get on the Via Maris, which was the most popular road coming down to the south to Egypt. All right. And so they're in Egypt. And from what we can tell, they're going to spend a year, maybe as long as two years living in Egypt. And then another angel is going to appear to Joseph and say, I want you to take your family and return to Bethlehem. And so they're going to leave Egypt, one more time, because you look good, all right, and come up the Via Maris, and they're going to start on their way to Bethlehem, but Joseph is going to learn, yeah, the cries, I forgot, but uh, Joseph's going to learn that no longer is Herod on the throne, but his son Archelaus is. All right, and he doesn't have a great reputation either. And so an angel's going to appear in a dream and say, I don't want you to go to Bethlehem, but I instead want you to continue to the north. And they're going to come up here to this place called Nazareth. All right, so let me hear your best hammers, people. Good job. And uh, from this point, we don't know a lot. In fact, we're left to make some assumptions. Uh, if you study Jewish culture and Jewish life, Because they were a devout Jewish family, uh, Jesus likely studied the scriptures even as a young child, all right? So he was learning the Torah. Uh, We know that because his father was a carpenter, he was learning the family trade. We know that he grew up around other kids. He had to. And Uh, But at the same time, you know, we also know that because he was studying the scriptures, he was beginning to put pieces together. He was beginning to understand who he was and even grow, even as a young man, as a young boy, in his own relationship uh, with the Father. Luke said the grace, uh, the uh, apostle, or the, the gospel writer Luke says that the grace of God was upon him and that he was growing in strength. Well, here's what we do know. Because we don't know many things, there is one story that comes out of Luke that shows us that when Jesus was the age of 12, that his parents, like they did every year, returned to Jerusalem for Passover. And so they're going to travel, not just as a family, but probably as an entire community. They're going to come out of Nazareth. They're going to come over here by the Sea of Galilee, all right? They're going to come down the Jordan River Valley because that's how people traveled when they were going to Jerusalem. And then they would get to Jericho, and then they would travel by the Wadi Kelt up to Jerusalem And there's a party going on here, people, so give me a shout, all right? So they're coming here for Passover, 
And so they're going to celebrate, observe Passover, and then they're going to leave as a large community of people, and they're going to start on their way back to Nazareth, but as Luke records, somewhere along the way, they realize they didn't have Jesus, all right? Which isn't a huge surprise because they're traveling very narrow roads with lots of people, so he could be with aunt and uncle, and he could be with other friends, but they discover he's not there. And so they're alarmed like any good parent would be, and they return to Jerusalem ultimately to find that 12-year-old Jesus is in the temple, he is sitting with the teachers of the law, and the scriptures say that he was asking great questions and that the people were amazed at his understanding. And certainly when his parents found him, they were probably a little upset, a little relieved, a little frustrated, but caught up in that moment too. And when they asked him, where have you been? Jesus' response was, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And I think it's here that we really understand, and they must have just continued understanding that this is a special young man. There's something different. He's God in the flesh. And so they're going to eventually, they're going to leave Jerusalem with 12-year-old Jesus. They're going to return to Nazareth one more time, all right? And again, we don't know a lot. Luke records that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with others, all right? We know that his father's eventually going to pass away, all right? And so Jesus is going to be left with the responsibility of caring for the family, all right? But we know that he's growing in his relationship with the Lord. He's better understanding who he is and what he's here on the earth to do, and finally, when he's around the age of 30, and this is where we start to get more information on Jesus, something happens. The father likely is going to speak to him and tell him it's time to go down to the Jordan River Valley. And so Jesus is going to come over by Galilee. All right, we'll talk more about Galilee in the weeks to come. He's going to come down the Jordan River Valley, fish faces one more time, people. And John, John the Baptist is most likely down here in the Jordan River Valley, probably closer to the Dead Sea, and he's baptizing people. And uh, what was John's mission? Well, John had a very unique mission as a prophet, as a special messenger, calling people to repentance, helping people recognize their own sin and their need for God. He's baptizing people. He's pointing and preparing people for Jesus because he knows that Jesus is coming. And sure enough, Jesus is going to come on the scene. And that's where we want to pick it up in Mark chapter 1 starting in verse 9. And, and if you got left out today, you basically were, you're a rock or sand or something. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you're dirt, I guess, this morning. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to get left out today. But uh, let's pick it up in Mark chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 9. Again, Jesus comes on the scene down here in the Jordan. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. All right, I've got a picture here for you. Uh, of the Jordan River, a picture that I was able to take. And uh, certainly uh, the landscape of the Jordan River changes in different places, but this kind of gives you an idea of an area where Jesus might have come to where John is. And again, we know that Jesus came here when he was about 30 to be baptized. And we're going to celebrate baptisms in just a few minutes. And if you're new to all of this with us, or maybe you've been away for a while, Baptism is pretty important to us. Why do we do baptism at Genesis? Well, just very specifically, we do it to follow the example of Jesus because we're going to see in just a moment that he was baptized. We do it to follow the command of Jesus. You know, it was in Matthew 28 where Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father. And so we're a part of that work even 2,000 years later. And then finally, we, we, we baptize people. People are baptized to identify with Jesus. And we'll talk a little more specifically about that, what, what that means in just, a, in just a second. So here's what we like to say. We say that baptism is an outward symbol of something that's already taken place on the inside. 
for this person. And you're going to see and hear their stories in, in just a moment. But these are individuals who have repented, who have turned to Christ, and have experienced the forgiveness of their sins. These are individuals that are saying, I have trusted Christ and I'm ready to, to follow him. And so we are baptized, you know, we go under the water. It's as if we are being buried in our sin, as Jesus, you know, did for us. And then we are raised out of the water into new life in Jesus Christ. And, and so you can see that baptism, obviously, is very special and significant for any person that's experiencing it. But it's also a public thing, too. Right? It's a public statement of, hey, here's what's different about me. And, and here's why I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. And so I'm understanding who I am and what my role is here on this earth. Now, you got to ask the question, though, why was Jesus baptized? Like, why, why was Jesus baptized? He has no need to repent from sin. The scriptures say that he was sinless, and so why be baptized? And if you read Matthew's account of the baptism, even John the Baptist was like, whoa, 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 you want me to baptize you? I have no, I, there's no business here. I have no business baptizing you. You ought to baptize me. Well, here's what Jesus was doing. With his baptism, Jesus fulfilled his relationship with God, you know, by obeying him, even when it doesn't make sense to us, even when it doesn't make sense to somebody like John. And so he's practicing obedience. Jesus saw his baptism as a way of advancing God's work and mission in the world. And you could say that he's also providing us an example to follow. So verse 10, Jesus is baptized. It says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, heaven being torn open is supposed to get our attention. All right, we read that and think something significant is happening here. That's what Mark is saying. And did others see it? Well, we don't know for sure. We know there was a crowd there. Did they experience it? Did they witness heaven being torn open? I mean, if it happened in the sky, there's a really good chance that others experienced it. I mean, think about when things happen in the sky here. Like, take, for example, the eclipse just a few weeks ago. Anybody get a chance to experience that in some way, whether it be here locally or maybe you got a chance to travel to a place like Kentucky and maybe you had your glasses and had a chance to experience that. It, our attention was turned to the sky, right? Because we knew what was happening. Or even this past week, there was a really pink sun one night as the sun was setting and that same morning, which was just a little unusual, even the color. And so we notice when something happens in the sky like that and so you can't help but wonder was the same true here. Well, it's a big deal, all right? Uh, it's a reminder that God himself is present. Now, what happens next? Well, it says the Spirit of God descends like a dove on Jesus. Now, did others see this? Well, we don't know, but you know what? John the Baptist, and you can find this in the Gospel of John, gave account and, hey, I saw it. I witnessed it, you know, and so he saw it with his own eyes, and so maybe others did too, but do you know who saw it for sure? Jesus did. Jesus experienced this as a 30-year-old man. And for Jesus, I think we've got to believe this is an unforgettable moment. You know, this is something that he's always going to remember. And this is uh, his public anointing as God's Messiah, you know. This is the Savior who has come for the world. And for Jesus, it's a reminder that he's never going to be alone. It's a reminder that God's presence will always be with him. And it was also a reminder for Jesus that he was from God, that he was God in the flesh and it was God's way of showing everyone else in the world that he was ready to make things right through his son, Jesus Christ. And if that wasn't significant enough, look what happens next. Verse 11, it says, A voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, what was that like? Now, what was it like to hear those words? I mean, was it a little frightening? Like, have, have any of you ever been at school and 
Well, over the intercom, maybe the principal calls you down to the office for something, but they don't tell you what it is. That, that gets you a little nervous, right? You know, to hear your name called, all right? But I don't think it was frightening for Jesus. I think it was the exact opposite. Because imagine if you're Jesus hearing these words from your father, you are my son whom I love. I mean, it was God's way of saying, I'm your father, you know? Let's not underestimate what that meant for Jesus, to have that affirmation, to hear the words, with you I am well pleased. In other words, I delight in you. I enjoy you. I am proud of you. Like, think about it for you. Can you imagine hearing those words from your heavenly father? Like, imagine the difference that would make to hear those words, how special it would would be to hear God say, I am proud of you. I believe in you. And then look what happens next. Mark records in verse 12 and 13. He says that once the Spirit then sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And so he's baptized, and then he immediately enters into the wilderness where he's going to be on his own, tempted by Satan for 40 days. But was he really on his own? Or was his father there? I believe his father was with him. The presence of God, the reminder of what he had just experienced in his baptism, the words of his father on his heart, on his mind to draw from. And so he trusts God. He's trusting God for strength. You can read it for yourself. He's obedient in all things, and not only in the wilderness, but we know for the rest of his time as we're going to see here on the earth. Here's what I want to do. Let's wrap this up this morning with a couple of things to think about. And uh, you've got these in your notes. If you haven't already turned over to the back side and maybe filled in some blanks or even guessed what I was going to say, uh, I think adults, you've got these too. But, uh, you know, again, as we think about obedience, obedience was a priority for Jesus. Why, why was Jesus obedient? Like how in the world was Jesus perfectly obedient on this planet? Here are two things for you to think about. Number one, he knew who he was. All right, and so we'd like to say Jesus knew his identity. He knew that he was the son of God. He realized that he was loved by God. He understood that he was never alone, that he was a child of God here on this earth. And the second thing is this, is he knew what he came to do. Like he was understanding more and more his mission and why he was here. And so he came to show us how to live. And he came certainly to give his life on the cross. And he came to bring God's kingdom to this earth and to really show us what ought to be importance to us as a church and making disciples and helping to fulfill the great commission here on this earth. He knew who he was and he realized what he came to do, his mission. And here's the thing for us. In the same way, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you and I, we're called to imitate Jesus in everything that we do. All of us are called to imitate Christ. In fact, that very word Christians, I mean, it literally means little Christ. And so for us to be a little Christ then, we need to obey the commands of the Lord and follow the example of Jesus in all that we do. John says it like this for us. I think this is a great reminder. We've referred to this verse before. We keep coming back to it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, whoever claims to live in him, again, whoever claims to be a Christian must live as Jesus did. And so if you're going to, if you and I, if we're going to make that commitment to live as Jesus did, to live like him, then we need to understand, like Jesus did, we need to understand what God says about who we are. You know, we need to understand what we are here for, our mission. And so I want to close by just giving you a few verses as we think about our identity, as we think about our mission, and then we'll pray and we're going to 
experience some baptisms today. But listen to these verses about identity. And you can jot these down if you want and read some more about them later. But Genesis 1.27, we looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. We know that God created mankind. He created all people in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Uh, Paul talks about our identity in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. He says, the spirit you received when you trusted Christ and God's presence, his Holy Spirit comes in you. He says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. All right, we are a part of God's family. And by him we cry, Abba or Daddy, Father. And then in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, you know, as Paul looks back to some words from the Old Testament, he reminds us of the words of God for all of us, that I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so these speak of our identity. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, these are true of you. All right? And then our mission. Like when Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we looked at it just a moment ago. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And in Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as he was ascending into heaven, he says, hey, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. All right, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this is your mission. This is our mission as followers of Christ. And finally, one more, one passage that really ties the two together, identity and mission. In fact, this is where we get our mission as a church, our mission of helping people find their way back to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, Paul says this, when anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross, and he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. And so we see our identity, we see our mission, and then the reminder that God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him, so we are Christ's official messengers it's as if God were making his appeal through us. And here's what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. It's so important that you know that as a follower of Jesus, your identity is in Christ and that your mission, our mission, is all about helping people find their way back to God. You know, to do these things that God has called us and asked us and will empower us to do. One more picture I want to show you an example or a, just a really cool opportunity, one of many that I had when I was in Israel. And um, we were at the Jordan River one morning for some great teaching. And our teacher was talking about this very thing. He was talking about identity. He was talking about mission. And he was talking about Jesus and Jesus' demonstration of that for us in his baptism. And then the teacher, after teaching for a while, invited all of us to start getting down into the water. Boots on, socks on, clothes on, everything. And so we climb down into the Jordan River. And, you know, for me, I, having been baptized when I was 12, it was really just a re, kind of a reminder, but we all went under the water and came up out of the water as a reminder of who we are and what it is that we're called to do as we came up out of the water, Jesus, just as Jesus came out of the water and walked into his world so that we could see how to live and be reminded of who we are and what we're here for. Genesis, let's not forget who you are, 
and what we're here for and to trust the Lord and to follow him in perfect obedience in everything that we do. What could it be that he has for you today? What's the next step for you? Will you pray with me? And I want to give you just a moment on your own because we don't always get a lot of time like this because we're always rushing, but I want to give you just a moment to maybe just ask the Lord, what, what's that step for you? Or maybe you already know what it is. and So maybe there's something you need to ask of the Lord this morning or something you need to pray and ask for courage or ask for clarity. I'm going to give you just a moment to do that right now, whatever it may be. And as we pray, I mean, I don't know what it is for you, but I think I just want to acknowledge that for all of us, God always has a next step, not in improving ourselves to him, but like he, he wants to grow us. He wants to grow closer to us. He wants to have a deeper relationship with you and with me. And, and so maybe for some of you today, maybe you know what that next step is, but maybe you're afraid to make the move. And maybe for some of you, you don't know where to go from here, but all you know is, is that right here isn't cutting it. Or maybe for some of us, we just never take the time to ask or to pray or even getting around to taking that step. What is it for you today? Father, that, that is our question this morning, you know. What next? What, what can we do next, Lord? And for some, that may be a very specific step. And for others, it may just be the beginning of a journey. But... We thank you, Lord, that through your son, you have demonstrated that, well, number one, that we can have a relationship with you and that you want to have an intimate relationship with each of us. And if we'll just set aside the time, if we'll open up our hearts, there are things that you wanted to speak into our life that have the potential to change us forever. And so we're listening, Lord. We're ready to listen. We're ready to respond. Will you teach us to obey? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.